Psalms 56, verse 3. When I am afraid, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Now flip over to Psalms 94, 19. Psalms 94, 19. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. When anxiety was great within me, you brought consolation and joy to my soul. And then go back to Psalms 34, verse 4. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. This morning, I want to continue to talk to you about dealing with anxiety. Now, I am very aware that some of the things that I'm going to share this morning is a little repetitive from last week's panel that we had and also last week, last Sunday night. This place was packed, jam-packed on Sunday night uh, for our um, seminar that we did on dealing with anxiety. And so I'm, I'm aware that some of it's going to be repetitive, but I really feel very deeply in my heart last week, um, the Lord really just put in my heart, and, and it was borne out when I saw so many people show up on Sunday night uh, wanting to learn more about how to deal with anxiety. That uh, I really believe the Holy Spirit has shown me that just in Christianity, not, just, not, not the world, but just even in our own home, in our own house, there are so many people today that are dealing with anxiety in their life. And if you look at any kind of statistical polls or anything when it comes to our young people, our children, any information, read blogs, read articles, you will find that we live in a generation today filled with teenagers that are dealing with anxiety like never before. I read an article this week that really just opened my eyes even more to the reasons why teenagers are dealing with anxiety like never before. Obviously, we live in a technical world. Their phones in so many ways have become, it's a blessing and at the same time a curse because we, as, just as a nation and unfortunately even as a church, we've made our phones our God. I, I think we could take the, in God we trust off the dollar bill now and put it on our phones because I think we trust in our phones. We need our phones. We're addicted. We are addicted to our phones, and as a result of that, we run to a phone, and so often teenagers, there's no downtime for them. If they're feeling depressed or sad or whatever, they just go right on Facebook, right? Because, you know, we live in this generation, and we live in this time where if we feel anything other than, you know, exhilaration and joy and fun and excitement, then we get all panicky, and we panic because we feel like, you know, life is becoming boring or whatever it may be. And so our young people are dealing with anxiety. They're dealing with anxiety because they're looking around and they're seeing foundations crumble all around them. You know, just the, the fact that many people are going through, young people are having to deal with the divorce of their parents and so on and so on, terrorism. So anxiety is at an epidemic proportion, I believe, today. And unfortunately, it's seeped into the church. And we need to deal with it. We need to talk about it. We need to be open about it. And we can't... We can't pretend that this is not a problem in our church. And the truth is, there's a lot of Christians that are struggling with anxiety right here in this room right now. And the truth is, there are times when you feel all alone. You feel like you're not strong enough. You even feel like you failed God because 
you have anxiety in your life because somehow you connect your anxiety with a lack of real faith and real trust in the Lord. There's, there's, there's so many people today in the church that are feeling less than adequate. And the truth is, for some of you, your anxiety has become so bad that there are times when you can't breathe. When you start to sweat, you feel dizzy. You feel like you're having a heart attack. You're so overwhelmed with anxiety. You feel like you're never going to be able to enjoy your life to the fullest. Sometimes you're afraid to leave your house. Sometimes you're afraid to do something that's so easy for other people to do. Maybe it's to go over a bridge. Maybe it's to, to go in an elevator, an escalator, whatever it may be. And it really gets you down and you feel like you're not complete. You feel like you're vulnerable as a person. You're afraid that something bad is going to happen. Something really bad is going to happen to you or your family. You're afraid that maybe the money is going to run out or you're going to come up short. You're afraid that a relationship that you really think is a really important relationship, whatever it may be, may end. Maybe there are times when you just can't go to sleep. In fact, you watch so many commercials today, there's so many commercials about sleep aids, helping people to sleep because a lot of people are just not getting sleep anymore. They're not able to sleep. They're not able to shut off the stuff that's happening in their mind. You can't rest and you just can't, can't seem to just, you know, be restful in your heart, in your spirit. You just keep on moving and moving and moving trying your best to overcome the anxiety in your life. Sometimes your anxiety lasts for a short time. Sometimes, for some of us, it lasts a lot longer than that. Listen to me. I want you to really listen to me today. You are not alone. Listen to me. You are not alone. In fact, did you know that new surveys show us that anxiety levels experience a sharp increase this year? that more people are anxious this year than they were last year at this time. That's a pretty big spike. Why? Because it follows on the heels of a 36% jump between 2016 and 2017. And it means this year's national average of anxiety score has tipped over half, half of, of the people. In other words, 51% of people are anxious today in our world. And this poll shows that adults are increasingly anxious, particularly about three things, about health, safety, and finances. This year, though, Americans reported feeling anxious about not only health, safety, and finances, but about politics and also about relationships. Anxiety over finance saw the greatest increase since 2017, but the one thing that people worry more than anything else is about keeping their families safe in a world that seems to be out of control. But listen to me, you are not alone. You're not alone. Your anxiety is a very treatable thing. And the truth of the matter is even though we can be treated for anxiety and we can deal with it, and in a lot of ways we can overcome it, um, most people don't ever talk about it. Most Christians never get any help. In fact, you'll find out that most Christians and most people, um, when they suffer with anxiety, they suffer alone with anxiety because, again, there's a stigma attached to anxiety where they don't want anybody to know, especially, especially when you come to church. 
Because when, when we come to church and we ask each other, how are you doing? Everybody's like, yeah, blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah, glory to God. I'm great. I'm wonderful. Everything's great. And then we suffer in silence. We go home and we suffer by ourselves because we really don't want people to know that we're suffering with anxiety. Because again, like I said before, so often uh, when we suffer with anxiety, somehow um, it, we really get down on ourselves because we feel like we just don't have faith. We don't trust in God enough. And there, there are kind of anxieties, anxieties, but there's several levels of anxiety, you know, and there's, there are people that suffer with anxiety because of certain things that they have to do for the moment, for a season, then that anxiety might diminish. And then there are people who suffer with anxiety disorders. And, and the truth is, some anxiety disorders are genetic. It's, you know, your, your mom had it, your dad had it, whatever, your grand, you know, and it's and, and it, and it somewhat passed down in some ways. So much anxiety is rooted in the traumatic experiences that we have as a child. And the truth of the matter is the devil, he, he really wants to destroy our lives and he touches us at a young age and he tries to wound us at a young age because he knows that if he can wound us at a young age through abuse or neglect or whatever the trauma might have been, then everything that, that we do in our life, everything that we see in our life is seen through the, the lenses of our, our experience when we were a child and, and really it can cripple us in so many different ways. And, and, and the truth is, all of us in this room have been traumatized one way or another. Sin traumatizes us. And we live in a dysfunctional world. And believe me when I tell you, 9-11 changed our world forever. And it traumatized most of us, or not, if not most of us, all of us in this room in one way or another. And so we've all been traumatized in one way or another. And as a result of that, anxiety has settled in on us and some of us we really don't even believe we have anxiety you know because we've never stopped long enough to consider why we're operating the way that we're operating and so let me just give you a few ways that you can deal with some anxiety in your life and why did i choose to do this around the holidays because the holidays are the most anxious time of the whole year and the truth is you smile you pretend everything is great. You want everything to become or be great. You want everything to be, you know, so wonderfully magical around Christmas time. But the truth is, Christmas time and Thanksgiving time is the most anxious time of the whole year for, uh, for most of us. And there's a reason for that. Because we're not sleeping well. We're overeating. We're under-exercising. We're overspending. And the truth is, we have to be with people that we love to love from a distance. But in the holiday time, you know, we have to, we have to, here's the bottom line. We're with people that we've had issues with for a lifetime. And some of us, we've never resolved those issues with those people. And we sit around the table and we want to act civil. And then something comes up. And for some of us, we go into the other room and uh, we have a little cry and we come back and we sit at the table and some of us, we have outbursts of anger and then we start talking about politics. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> and I've, I've never seen politics bring more anxiety into a room than these days that we live in today, amen? And so, so it's a really stressful time and I really felt like 
the Holy Spirit shared with me that I need to share these things with you before you sit at the table this year so that maybe December 26 will be a lot happier for you and a little bit more peaceful for you. So I, let me just give you a few ways to deal with anxiety. Number one, um, just come out of the closet. Just, just come out of the closet and admit that you struggle with anxiety in your life. You know, be real, be honest. Listen, I pray that Bethlehem Assembly of God is not a museum for the perfect, because nobody's perfect. Turn to your neighbor and say, nobody's perfect, and, and you're a great example of that. <laughs> no, nobody's perfect. You know, turn to your neighbor and say, nobody's perfect, but Pastor Steve comes close. <laughs> come on, come on, let's just say it. Bring it out, come on, let's admit it. Come out. But, but the truth is that... Um, we're never going to get better until we start realizing that the church is not a museum for perfect people, but is a hospital for the hurting. And that this should be the safest place in the whole world to talk about our issues. That's why I love CR. That's why I love Celebrate Recovery. That's why if, if you have some hurts, habits, and, 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 and things in your life that that you really have been struggling with, go to CR, it's the best place because they're so honest, man. They don't really care what you think. They just really care about getting better and loving and being honest with one another. And so we need to learn how to be honest with one another. We need to come out of the closet when it comes to anxiety. You see, I wanna tell you, anxiety loves to live in the darkness. Let me say that again. Anxiety loves to live in the darkness. It loves to live in the secret place where nobody else knows what you're going through. It also loves to live in ignorance. Anxiety lives in ignorance. You could write that down. And so the more you keep yourself ignorant from, uh, when it comes to anxiety, the more anxiety you're going to have. And, you know, so I've been very honest with you today, you know, and, and over the last several Several years I've been really honest with you, and I've told you that I came from a really difficult background, a difficult home. I came from a Christian home. I started, I started uh, coming to this church when I was six years old. That was 20 years ago, and um, it's been a really great 20 years. <laughs> and six years old when I started coming to church. You know, I was raised in the church. I was raised in Pentecost. You know, I, I was raised in coming to the altars and crying my eyeballs out and praying and asking God to fill me with the Holy Spirit and, and all of those things. And God, God has done a, a, a remarkable work in my life. And there were times when I'd be at the altars of God, we call them the altars of God, and I just God would just overwhelm me with his love and his power and his passion, you know, all of those great things in my life. But you know, when I was a little kid, my dad died when I was four years old, my stepdad died. Uh, ten years later, my mom got remarried. Two years later, he died. And um, in, in, in the middle of all of that, there was a lot of stuff that went on in my life. Just, you know, when mom's not home and when dad's not here, you know, stuff happens to you, you know. And it was really difficult. And um, so growing up as a teenager, growing up as a child, I had anxiety, you know. So I understand what anxiety is all about. And one of the things that happened to me, I got saved and, you know, got filled with the Spirit of God. And you know, God was doing a great work in my life, and then all the stuff that I went through as a child just came back, you know, just hit me so hard when I was 25 years old. I was, I was preaching. I started preaching when I was 19 years old, and some of those sermons were good, you know, but let me tell you, 
you know, there was stuff in me that God had to really deal with, and he had to allow that stuff to come to the surface so that I would really recognize that there was stuff in me that I had not dealt with. And anxiety comes so often because of suppressed anger and, 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 and not dealing with issues. And so I never dealt with them, never dealt with them. I just, I just tried to forget them. But they just, they'll always come back. They'll always come back. If there's unforgiveness, if there's bitterness, you know, if there's anxiety and fear, God's going to allow them to come back. Why? Because he wants you to be healed of it, not just to say it never happened, right? So I just said it never happened. But they came back, and then I had, to, I had to deal with it, right? And so my first thing I had to do was just come out of the closet and say, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. I'm spirit-filled. God's doing a great work. Listen, whatever work that God does in you and through you, it's a work of grace. So it's not because you got it all together. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you ain't got it all together. You ain't got it all together. You just, you don't, you know? And, and, and I don't have it all together, you know? And... And I think, if, I think if pastors would say that more often, I don't have it. I'm just a man, just like um, you men in this room, you know. You know, I'm a human being, just like everyone else in this room. And, and I've got to, and, and so many of the sermons that I, that I speak and, and I preach about and I teach, they come from life experiences. I wouldn't change every, anything in my life, nothing, nothing. You know, not, not the pain, not the suffering, because it's made me who I am today. And I'm really thankful for who I am today. I hope you are too. <laughs> I'm thankful. I'm so thankful for who I am today. You know, when somebody comes and walks in my room, in my office, and starts to tell me about, you know, abuse or loss or, or, or pain or anxiety or fear, or whatever, discouragement, I know what they're going through. You know, and the, you know, that's the wonderful thing about Jesus. Jesus became a man. The Bible says he became a man and he walked on this earth. And he was tempted in all ways like we are tempted. You know that even in the garden, when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says he sweat like there were drops of blood. You know what he was having? I believe that he was having a human panic attack. Now, I know some of you would take exception to that because you want Jesus to be this, you know. Listen, in his humanness, he was always God. He never stopped being God. But in his humanness, he knew that he was going to be crucified. He knew he was going to the cross, and they were going to nail his hands and his feet to the cross. He knew that they were going to whip him and beat him and whip him and beat him until the flesh on his back would have shred, and he understood the pain of all of that. And at that moment, he said, Father, Father, please let this pass from me. And he was, he was actually crying out to his father, that moment, that was an anxious moment. He knew that. Now, did it pass? Yes. But at that moment, he felt what you feel. He felt rejection. He felt physical pain. He felt sorrow that overwhelmed his soul. And all of that was for you. All of that was for me. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, that he felt all of that so that he could be a, a compassionate high priest, so that he can be our mighty counselor, so that when you go to him, he says, I know, I know what that feels like. Now, he didn't sin, but he knew, he felt it, he feels it, so that you can come to him and admit. So we have to grow. We have to allow these things to cause us to grow in our life. You know, my favorite scripture in all of the Bible 
is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's my life scripture. Everybody needs to have a life scripture. I have a life scripture. And my life scripture is this. I'd rather glory in my weakness that the power of God may rest upon me. That's what Paul said. God said, you know, to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul said, Lord, take this away from me. Take this thorn away from me. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. I want you to have to deal with this thorn for the rest of your life so that you might always know that when you're weak, I'll make you strong. Amen? And so it's, it's, it's not a sin. It's not a sin to admit that you're human. It's not a sin to admit that you struggle. Now, I don't want you to stay there. I don't want to stay there. And I thank God that I'm, I'm not where I am. I'm not where I was when I was 25 years old. I grew so much through my pain. I grew so much through the difficulties of my life. I grew so much. I grew more in my season of life when I was feeling the anxiety than any other time in my life. You know why? Because I needed God so much. I mean, I was so desperate for God. And guess what? When we draw close to God, he draws close to us. Hallelujah. When we come to God with our weakness, God makes us strong. Hallelujah. When we say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it without you. God says, I, you will do it with me. Hallelujah. Because my grace is sufficient for you. When you're weak, that I make you strong. And the weaker I feel, the more dependent I am on God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And, and when you feel weak and you come to God, he never rejects you, but he comes alongside of you and says, my power and my grace and my... My, my wisdom and everything that you need is sufficient for whatever you have to go through in your life. Amen? Amen. David said, when I was afraid, he didn't say, I'm never going to be afraid. He said, when I was afraid, I put my trust in you. He said, when anxiety was great within me, you, you consoled me and you brought me joy to my soul. I prayed to the Lord, he said, and he answered me and he freed me from all my fears. I, I love the story of Elijah. Elijah's my man. I love Elijah. I mean, he's tough. He's awesome, man. And, and, and the Bible tells us that he just got sick and tired of all the false prophets. And so he tells all of Israel, listen, we're going we're gonna to meet on a mountain. And, and you know, we're going to do this thing. You know, and you call all your prophets, all your false prophets, and the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And, and I'll call down my God, and we'll see what happens. You know? And so he, he brings everybody to the mountain. And, and you know the story. The story is, is that the, the false prophets, you know, they kept on crying out to their God and they weren't God what their God wasn't listening and so they started cutting themselves and doing all kinds of things to get their you know their God to come and Elijah's kind of taunting them and saying yo maybe 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 your God went to the bathroom hallelujah you know maybe your God's on the bowl right now I don't know I mean it's like so he was really like really I love this dude you know he's cool man you know, I, I think Elijah was just kind of, you know, he was a biker. He was definitely a biker, you know, with, with tattoos and, you know, the, yo, man. And, and then he goes, okay, now watch this. And he, and he prays and he, and he calls down fire. and the, the fire licks up the sacrifice in the water all around it, right? And it's a great victory. Elijah goes home that, that, that night and it was church, man. He had church that night. He was feeling good, right? Got up Monday morning, he was going to take his you know, early morning jog, go to Blink to work out, and he gets a phone call on his cell phone. And it's one of his assistants and said, hey, listen, 
while you're going to blink, I just want you to know that you got a phone call and it was from Jezebel. <laughs> and she wants to see you in her office when you get back from working out. And the Bible says he got on his Harley and he drove into the desert of Nevada and sat down and said, I'm done. I want to die. I'm finished. You know? And then you think to yourself, what would set somebody off like that? I mean, here's a guy who just confronted hundreds of false prophets. You know, the Bible says that the people of Israel didn't want to kill him, and he pulled out a sword, and he, he, he killed them all himself. I mean, I'm glad I don't live in the Old Testament. <laughs> I, I am glad I am not a pastor in the Old Testament. I can't deal with the blood stuff, man. No way. Right? I mean, he was tough. But I, I think the reason why he freaked out right there is because he had been just under so much stress for so long. I mean, think about how stressful that is. I mean, when's the last time you killed a bunch of people, you know, and then went, showed up at the office, you know, the next morning, like, okay, I'm ready to pastor again, you know? He had so much stress, you know, that it just overwhelmed him to the point where he just, he wanted to die. He wanted to die. He was a man of God. When's the last time you said, God, I just want to die? You know? Wow. That's pretty depressed. You know? And, and the Bible tells us that God, he ministered to him. He didn't, he didn't reject him. He didn't say, well, guess what? Give me your clergy license. You're done. You need to just go out the pasture. <laughs> you need to just, you know, you know, retire. But the Bible says he allowed Elijah to rest. He allowed Elijah to recuperate. He even fed Elijah. He ministered to Elijah. He counseled Elijah. Because Elijah was stressed out. That's what he was. He was stressed out. So people that are spiritual people can get to that point in their life as well. Paul the Apostle, we often look at Paul the Apostle as this fearless, confident leader. I want you to listen to Paul the Apostle. What he says in Philippians chapter 2. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in my welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come to you soon but I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus that would stress me out just having a name like that my brother fellow working and fellow soldier who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill indeed he was ill and almost died but God had mercy on him and not only on him but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow therefore I'm I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Wow. This is Paul the Apostle, the mighty man of God, who says, man, I've had some sorrow in my life. I've had some anxiety in my life. Now, I'm not saying don't do anything about your anxiety. I'm, I'm certainly not saying live with your anxiety. I'm not saying don't get help. I'm not saying, you know, don't work through it. But I am saying, don't allow the devil, don't even allow well-meaning Christians 
to tell you that you love God less, that you believe God less, that you trust God less, that you obey God less just because from time to time, or even you struggle with anxiety as the disorder in your life, but you're allowing God to work through that in your life. You see, one of the most destructive things that we can do as a church is live in denial. Just deny that we're struggling with these things. See, admitting that we have an issue with anxiety requires a lot of humility. Anxiety in particular can be hard to own up to because it makes us feel weak in an area where so many appear to be strong. And the temptation is to keep on pushing the anxiety down in hopes that it will just somehow just disappear. But just for the record, I want you to know that the Bible speaks about fear. Don't be afraid more than 500 times. The Bible speaks clearly to us about fear and not being afraid more than 500 times. Why? Because we live in a real world with real issues, with real struggles, with a real devil, with real threats, with real challenges, and real problems. And so all of us at some time in our life are going to have to deal with stress and anxiety. Number two, stop trying to handle your anxiety and your stress in unhealthy ways. You see, sometimes we don't even realize that we have stress and we are running to certain things as a means to deal with or try to push away or, or even ignore our anxiety in our life. You know, there are some people that never want to go home from church. Now, I love when you come to church. I do. But some people want to live in the church. In fact, they'd say, Pastor Steve, give me the key. No, better, better yet, Pastor Steve, don't give me the key. Lock me in the church and leave me here. Because I don't want to go home because home is too stressful. You know, I have had to tell people, literally had to tell people, stop serving so much in the church. Because some people want to run away from their problems. And they believe if they just serve and serve and serve or be religious, 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 they can just ignore their anxiety in their life. So religion can be a way of actually dealing with anxiety the wrong way. Because God isn't religion. He's a relationship. Amen? And God doesn't want you to be so busy that you don't have any rest. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. And so, so, so many of us self-medicate. And that's really dangerous stuff. Some of us are drinking, listen to me, some of us are drinking alcohol and we're self-medicating ourselves. Some of us are smoking weed, you know, because now it's legal. Come on, somebody. But, but it's dangerous. Some of us are going on the web too long, way too long, and we're dealing with the stresses of a bad marriage or whatever, getting into pornography. Some of us are overeating. We're running to food to try to re re relieve the stress and anxiety in our life. Food becomes our comfort. Food becomes our counselor. Food becomes our God. Some of us are spending way too much time with someone who isn't our, sp our spouse because we're, we're, you know, we're, that person seems to understand us better than our spouse. Some of us are addicted to opioids and, and we don't want to admit it. And it's legal, and so we think we're just getting away with it. Some of us are spending way, way too much time in front of the TV. Some of us are spending way too much time watching sports. Some of us are, are working really hard. You know, um, I, have, I, I always grew up being very proud of the fact that I'm a hard worker. Mm -hmm. I started working when I was 11 years old. 
you know, my dad died and my mom was working, and so if I wanted anything extra, I'd have to work for it. So I went to start working. I've been working since I was 11 years old. Never stopped working. And I always prided myself. I work, I work really hard. You know, sometimes we can run into work because we're so anxious that we just keep on working. Maybe we work too hard because we're afraid we're not going to have enough. But you see, we applaud that in America, that we work so hard. But see, that in some ways is a, a means by which we deal with our anxiety. We can't stay still. We can't trust God, the God who said, I'm going to provide and give you enough. Amen? Whatever it may be, it's become an idol in our life. And what is an idol? An idol is anything we have in our life that we put more trust in than God. Right? That we go to. It's our go-to mechanism when we're feeling anxious. Instead of going to the Word, instead of going to prayer, what do we go to? Facebook. Huh? Or we go to TV. Or we go to that thing that makes us calmer, makes us feel better. And so we, we need to realize that there are things in our life, and I, I just want you for a moment just to close your eyes and don't fall asleep, but I want you to close your eyes, and I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now. Ask the Holy Spirit, what is the thing that I do that's unhealthy? What's the idol in my life? Is it too much work? Is it too much play? Is it too much drink? Is it too much weed? Is it too much whatever? What's that idol in my life that I need to deal with? What's the thing that, was, if it was taken away from me, would cause the most anxiety in my life? It's another way of recognizing it's an idol in your life, is if it's taken away from you, can you still function? Can you still love God? Father, I pray today that you would reveal Help us to be honest with ourselves, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Number three, real quick, take care of the whole you. Take care of the whole you. You see, I, I really believe that most Christians so often are so one-dimensional that they don't realize that God loves the whole you, and he created the whole you. And you can't separate the whole you. You can't separate the physical from the spiritual. You can't separate the emotional from the spiritual. You can't separate the emotional from the physical. And you're a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. And we, we really, really need to begin to start taking better care of ourselves. The reason why some of you are anxious is because you're not taking care of yourself physically. Paul the Apostle tells us that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, if this, if this church was falling apart, would you come in? I mean, if the beams were falling down and, you know, we, we try to make this building as pretty as we can, do a lot of work to make sure it looks pretty, because we always say this is the house of God. But this is not the house of God. This is a building. This is a building. You are the house of God. You are the house of God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And, and when, when you're not taking care of the house of God, you're not taking care of that which God dwells in. So I want you to begin to take care of your body. 
because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I think we have a diagram just to sh kind of show you the, that you are you're actually one person and you have a body, soul, and a spirit. You have a, you have, you are all these things. And so how do we take care of our body? Number one, we have to learn how to eat right. We just, you know, <laughs> we love to come to church and throw it down, man. We love to praise the Lord. We love to sing. We love to worship. We run to the altar. And when we, when we get sick, when we have high cholesterol, we want the pastor to come and lay some olive oil on us, you know, and just pray for us. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. And, we, you know, and then we go to the diner and we have this big, big plate of, you know, the biggest hamburger we can get, you know, and, and french fries. My wife hates when I talk this stuff, but I'm just being honest with you. I see some Christians, the way they eat, and then they come running to me when they get sick, and I'm, I'm like, dude, stop pigging out, man. You know, they go to Cheesecake Factory. You know one of those pieces of cheesecake? It's like 2,000 calories. You eat that piece of cheesecake, you get nothing else for the day because you got all your calories in that piece of cheesecake. Now, I just come on. You know, let's be practical here. You can't keep on putting that junk in your body. You can't keep on abusing your body without your body breaking down and it affecting you emotionally. You know, people make fun of me because they watch, and I'm, I'm not a really perfect eater. I mean, if you follow me around, I, I eat some stuff, man, come on. Every once in a while, I'm going to White Castle, baby, come on. I'll treat myself every once in a while. But you know, people make fun of me because like, Pastor Steve, why do you, why? Because I don't want to be anxious. Right? 20, uh, almost, what is it, 30 years ago, I gave up caffeine. I gave up caffeine. I don't drink caffeine. Some people say, I gotta have caffeine to get me up in the morning. That's a problem. You need Teen Challenge. <laughs> that's a problem, man. I'm telling you, that's a problem. Caffeine is a drug, you know? But it's the drug of choice for Christians. We go downstairs and have a piece of cheesecake, and we have coffee with caffeine in it, and no problem, man. Now we're all like, come on, let's, you know? So some of you need caffeine to get you up in the morning. Some of you need caffeine to put you to sleep. You need caffeine, caffeine. My, 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 aunt, was, my aunt was addicted to caffeine. She had to, uh, literally had to be weaned off of caffeine. She used to get these incredible headaches because she was coming off of it. Listen, if you get incredible headaches with something that you eat, you're addicted, dude. It's a problem with that. So I, I gave up caffeine because it was no good for me. It was not healthy for me. You know, and so, so we need to eat good. So the truth is if you eat a lot of processed meats and fried food, refined cereals and candy and pastries. I listen, I'm Italian. <laughs> I love pastries. Come on. But I'm not going to eat them because they're just not healthy. Now, I understand, you, you know, you could treat yourself every once in a while, but I'm watching because you eat this stuff, you're more prone to be anxious. A diet of whole fiber-rich grains, fruits, and vegetables, and fish can help you keep your body in check and, and well. Exercising, exercising. You know what I'm saying? Pastor Steve, why are you telling me this stuff? Because I want you to be healthy. 
and you can't pray well, and you can't go out and share the gospel well, and you can't go on missions trips and help build churches if you're not healthy. I want you to be healthy so you can do the work of the kingdom the right way with joy in your heart. Listen to me. Psychologists studying how exercise relieves anxiety and depression suggest that 10 minutes, just a 10-minute walk every day, 10-minute walk every day. I want to encourage you. Maybe you sit down a lot, you know, at work. Take 10 minutes out of your lunch break. Just walk around the block. You know, my guys will tell you. I just sometimes I'll just get up. I'll walk around the block. I'll, I'll have a phone. I'll have a phone uh, conference. So what? I'll I'll, I have the phone. I can walk, and I'll just walk around the park while I'm I'm talking. Right? Exercise is critical for you. Get up. Begin to walk. Begin to exercise. Right? Some studies show that exercise can work quickly to elevate depressed moods in many people, although the effects may be temporary. This demonstrates a brisk walk or a simple activity can deliver some hours of relief similar to taking an aspirin for a headache. Science also has provided some evidence that physical activity or physically active people have, lowered rate, have lower rates of anxiety and depression than people that are sedentary. Exercise may improve mental health by helping the brain cope better with stress. So listen to this. In one study, Researchers found that those who got regular, vigorous exercise were 25% less likely to develop depression or anxiety disorder over the next five years. How many of you would like to have less anxiety? Go take a walk. <laughs> Rest is a really important thing. So maybe you've been struggling with anxiety and panic and you've tried medication and progressive relaxation and meditation and exercise and deep breathing, which is all good. Deep breathing is really important. God created your, your whole physical being and, and most of us breathe very shallow and that's why we're feeling depressed or anxious, right? And so we need to start breathing. You know, breathe in. God gave you air to breathe it in. It's really important. So maybe you tried all of those things, but there's one thing that you're missing. You're just not sleeping. Lack of sleep will cause anxiety. You know, we know that we need to get a certain amount of sleep. So we need to all learn this, you know, all of us. A missionary friend of mine who's actually a counselor, you know, he was actually mentoring me a bit. And a couple of years ago, I was really not feeling well. I was not feeling well. I, I landed up in the hospital. And I was in the hospital, and they did a test on my heart to see what was going on, you know. And they found it was, I, was, I literally had two blockages in my artery. You say, you're so skinny, right? Because I have high cholesterol, and I wasn't dealing with it. And so I had to get it under control. And I have. Now I've gotten it under control. But I wasn't feeling good. And so I, I was speaking to one of my friends who's a missionary, who's a psychologist as well. And he was telling me, Steve, you've you got to get more rest. You've got to rest. You're burning yourself out you got to realize that there's a Sabbath. and you got to be able to take those times to, to chill out and rest. you got to shut off the TV at night and get some good sleep. And so now I've started to try to get better sleep. I don't, it don't, doesn't always happen for me, honestly, to be, to be very honest. You know, I wake up about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, and it's a little hard to get back to sleep, but I do. I force myself to get back to sleep again because I, I know that anxiety can be brought on by not resting enough there's a place for rest okay let's go on take care of your mental health and th there are three ways to take care of your mental health talk about the things that you struggle with somebody that you can confide in 
Find somebody. You know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron, right? A threefold cord is not easily broken. And, and the truth is, when we find somebody that we can talk to, you know, I have people like that in my life. Do you have, let me ask you a question. Do you have somebody in your life that you could be honest with? I mean, really honest with. And I'm not talking about your spouse. It's great. No, it's great to be honest with your spouse. But men, you need a man in your life that you can talk to and tell them what you're really going through. Because let me just be honest. There are things you're not telling your wife because you're struggling with stuff in your brain. And you know your wife will kill you <laughs> if you tell her. Come on, let's be honest. So, so you need to find somebody that you trust. You don't need to stand on a rooftop and tell the whole world that you're struggling with whatever in your life. You need to find one person. Women, you need to find somebody you can trust. Young, young women, listen to me. Abigail, listen to me. Look at me. You're such a precious young lady. And so many of you young, young adults in the young adult ministry, you're so incredibly precious. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. Find an older woman that can speak into your life. The Bible says older women pour into younger women. Older women, find a young person that you can pour into their life. Share your experiences with them. Why do, you, why do they have to go through exactly what you went through? Let them know that you love them and care about them. So talk to somebody. If you need professional help, it's not a sin to get professional help if you're struggling with an anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. If you're struggling with phobias, they're treatable. They're treatable. I've, I've always told you that I love doctors. I don't want to see them in the office. And the truth of the matter is I walk into a doctor's office and they pull out that needle. Not all needles. They don't all freak me out. You know, the flu shot's pretty good. You know, I can take that one sitting up. But they pull out that needle to suck out my blood, I turn into a little child. I'm like, I'm gonna pass out. It's a phobia. I've had to deal with that, getting a little bit better over time. I went, I went to kind of talk to my doctor about it and said, why am I so scared of this stupid thing? Why do I turn into a child? My doctor gave me, you know, the whole needle and, the, and the, the, the whole thing, and I have it now at home, and sometimes I take it out and I put it near my, because exposing me to it helps me to recognize that I can get better. So there are, there, are, there are ways in which you can get better and deal with your anxiety disorders in your life. So often with exposure, with the right person, with the right counselor, you can get over so many anxieties. You don't have to live with it for the rest of your life. You can deal with it one step at a time. You can get over it. You know, even as anxiety spikes, however, few respondents said that they sought out medical help, despite the fact that 86% strongly or somewhat agreed that mental health has impacted their physical health, half agreed that stigma associated with mental health has decreased over the last decade, yet only, listen to me, yet only 28% of the people that struggle with anxiety has sought any kind of help for that anxiety. Only 28%. That means there's a, a ton of people out there that are doing nothing about it. They're living with it because they're afraid to tell somebody about it, work on it. Replace negative and ungodly thoughts with biblical thoughts. So how do you do that? How do you replace unbiblical thoughts with good thoughts? Well, number one, you have to renew your mind. You have to renew your mind. Number two, you have to strengthen your mind. 
Number three, you have to reteach your mind. And number four, you have to protect your mind. I, I want you, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna actually uh, wrap this up in a minute, but, and we'll pick it up next week, okay? I, I've got enough, I've got enough um, information here uh, to, to go next week, okay? So, so for the rest of the week, I can go play golf and come. No, I'm just kidding. 2 Corinthians 10.3, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. I want you to notice what Paul says here. He says that we demolish every stronghold. And what's a stronghold? In this context, Paul is saying a stronghold is a thought. It's a thought that turns into a way of thinking, that turns into a way of living. A stronghold, listen to me, say with me, a stronghold... It's a thought that turns into a way of thinking that always turns into a way of living. Remember a couple of weeks ago I said our attitude is a composite of three things. What we think, what we believe, and how we act. What we think, what we believe, and how we act, right? So a stronghold is a thought that becomes a way of thinking. And so it, when we're children, we begin to learn these concepts, these principles, and so often the lies of the enemy. And they become strongholds in our mind. Somebody told us that we're stupid, and we believe it, and we act that way. Somebody told us that we'd never make it in life, that we're not good enough, we never measure up, and we live that way. Whatever it is, it becomes a, a way of thinking. As a man thinketh, so he is. Amen? So we, 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 we build these mindsets. Okay? We, we actually believe certain things that are lies, and we live it out. The Bible says, my people perish for their lack of knowledge. And Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen? So, so notice what Paul the Apostle tells us. He says that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. There's a lot of things that we've been taught. Listen to me. As the worship team comes, it gives everybody hope that I'm going to finish. We've been taught so many things that are just wrong. And we've been believing it for too long. And we've been acting on it. And God wants us to change. He wants us to be transformed. That word metamorphosis. Be transformed. And how do we be transformed? How do we live a different life? Paul says, by changing the attitude of our mind. And so we do that by renewing our mind. We do it by reteaching our mind, retraining our mind. Listen, you talk to yourself more than anybody else talks to you. You know what? The truth is, a lot of times, you talk to yourself and the devil just says amen. He, he doesn't even have to talk to you. He just says amen to the nonsense that we tell ourselves. You know, I've had to literally retrain the way I think because there were strongholds in my mind as a child growing up. Didn't have a father. Never had anybody tell me, wow, I love you as a son. 
anxiety over just not having a dad, you know? And then just feeling like a failure at times and, and telling myself, oh, I'm a failure, I'm stupid. I can't measure up to anyone, you know? And saying that to myself, and I remember the Holy Spirit began to rebuke me, correct me, and say, you better stop talking to yourself like that because you're abusing yourself. Would you, would you let anybody, would you let anybody tell you you're an idiot? Would you let anybody tell you you're a failure, you're a loser? Would you let me tell you that every day? Then why do you let yourself tell you that? Why do you let self abuse you? We abuse ourselves more than anybody else. So we need to retrain self to believe what God says about us, to know what God says about us, to know what God's truth is. Because God tells us that we're to take care of ourselves physically, take care of ourselves mentally, but he also says take care of yourself in your soul. Take care of your soul. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he forfeits his soul? And what is your soul? Your soul is the real you on the inside. It's who you are deep down on the inside. And you need to take care of your soul. You need to take care of you deep down in your heart. I know some of you, you love to take care of everyone else. And that's probably one of the biggest things that moms struggle with in this room. How many moms do we have in this room? is you always want to take care of somebody else, mom. Isn't that true? Take care of your family. Yesterday, my wife and I and the kids, you know, I have, you know, I have two grandchildren, one on the way, Jack Steven, on his way, Jack Steven. His middle name is Steven. So we promised, we promised the kids we'd get together with them. I had to work in the morning. I ran home and we made cookies together lots of cookies low fat of course good cookies healthy cookies all right um, and uh, I noticed my wife had been working all day all night making cookies and I thought to myself man she worked so hard I think how many of us in this room we're always working hard to make somebody else happy maybe even God that's the power of the gospel. That's the wonderful thing about the gospel is you don't have to, you don't have to make God happy. He already loves you. Hallelujah. And if you're in Christ, man, he's really happy with you. Hallelujah. The Bible says you've become the righteousness of God because of Christ. So we got to start taking care of our soul. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are weary. He's talking about anxiety. He's talking about tired. He's talking about trying so hard, pleasing somebody else, even God. He said, come to me, all that are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest for your soul. Hallelujah. So we need to start taking care of our soul. Paul the Apostle said, I want your soul to prosper. Amen? I want you to prosper in your soul. So, listen, Christmas is coming. Take care of your soul. Don't neglect your soul. I know it's fun, and I know you want to go out and have a great time, but slow down. Take some time to be at the feet of Jesus. Take some time to reflect on the goodness of the Lord. 
Take some time to feed your soul and let God heal your soul so you can be the person God called you to be. Next week, I'm going to talk about how to pray right, how to think right, how to live right through Ephesians, or no, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to talk about the famous verse, the famous chapter in the Bible. Be anxious about nothing. You've heard sermons. Pastors have told you, if you're anxious about anything, you're in disobedience. You're a sinner. You're no good. I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you how you can work through anxiety through praying right. Because so many of us don't pray right. And that's why we still have anxiety. We pray, but we're not praying right. And so we're taking back that which we're giving to God every day through prayer. Amen? So let's just pray together. I pray this morning that this message just helped you a little bit more to understand that you're not alone. Anxiety tries to creep into all of our lives. But God is so good to us that He stops our whole life, even stops a whole church service and says, let me talk to you about taking care of yourself. And so, with your head bowed, your eye cl eyes closed today, you say, Pastor Steve, that's, that's me, man. I've been running. And I don't want to be honest with you, Pastor Steve. Man, I'm, I'm stressed. I'm stressed. But I want God to begin to transform my life by different thinking and different living and different behaving. I want to start, I want to really start taking care of myself better. Listen, you only get one life. Take care of yourself. You only have one body. Take care of your temple. You only have one mind. Feed it with the right things. You only have one soul. What does it prosper a man if he gains everything, but he forfeits his soul? Soul care. Take care of your soul. Father, we just thank you this morning. That we don't need to leave this place stressed, filled with anxiety, Lord God. But we can come, Lord, today and sit at your feet, Lord, and learn of you, Lord, because you said, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. My yoke is light. My burden is light. And you will find rest for your soul. Friend, the first place you need to start is to ask yourself this one question. Is God the center of your life? If God's the center of your life, no matter what goes on all around you, God will begin to do a new work in you. Even if you're struggling today, you need to recenter your life on God. Say, God, my, my life is out of balance. It's out of order, God, and I need to put you right back in the center of it. So you're here today. Say, Pastor, I, I'm not certain that my life is centered. God is in the center of my life, and I want God to be the center of my life. I want you to raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you right now. Anybody in this room? You just want to say, God, be the center of my life. Yes, God bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Hey, there's going to be some folks that are coming right now and we call them counselors and they have some information they want to give you and if you'd like to receive that information just somebody to pray for you today say yeah I want God to be the center of my life they're gonna be here ready to pray for you we love you God has a plan for your life it's big